Vicks waking up after touching 15 last week. Things got pretty sleepy, so perhaps not a big surprise to Danny Kirsch joining us from Cornerstone Macro. He's the head of options. Danny, I've been talking about a chart that you put out last week that I really liked, which showed uh, just how low the market was pricing in volatility, particularly in the size of the uh, swings or at least the one-week straddle to use options terms. So let's start there. What kind of uh, information do you get from that data? So on Friday, we saw implied volatility got crushed. I think everyone was looking at this week, a big vacation week. There's no obvious catalyst. I mean, there's no payrolls, there's no Fed. There's kind of nothing this week. Earnings are basically done. And so people, so the market makers basically brought the cost of options in a ton. And what we saw is that the S&P was pricing in just a, I think it was a like a 75 bit move for this week. Um, because it just tells you that no one wants to own options for a week where there's theoretically no catalyst. And as we're seeing today, we're already down 63 bips. So typically, what we tend to, what we tend to see happen is market maybe overcorrects to some extent. Options got too cheap. And that's clearly what just happened. Like no, there was no desire to pay theta. There was no de desire to pay for time. And if there was no obvious catalyst, you want to go on vacation, you don't want to you know, you don't want to be at your desk. You don't want to pay for options. And as we can see, that things maybe got a little too cheap. So this this chart shows the one week rolling, the cost of a one week straddle over time. And what we can see is that this is the cheapest a one week straddle has been since COVID started. And mm -hmm. it's only around eight basis points more than uh, prior to COVID. And right now, that one week straddle, because of today's move, is now up to 1.05%. So for the next week, so basically today to next Monday, the S&P is pricing in a, a little over a percent move. But as of Friday, it was just 75 basis points. All right. Well, we uh, pretty much got that this morning. So uh, yeah, absolutely. we're moving ahead of the plan for the week. Danny, uh, just to uh, kind of walk me through this, the one-week straddle price that got to a new post-COVID low, uh, I know you kind of hinted at this, but the VIX wasn't at a post-COVID low, right? Our VIX low, um, or COVID era, we should say, not really post yet, but something like that. VIX 14 is the lowest we've had here this year. What does it mean that the VIX wasn't at that new low, but the straddle price for the week was at the low? Right, so the VIX is pricing off one-month one options we're looking at one week. So for the next month, VIX was a little bit higher. Now you see VIX is, uh, I think, back over 17 with today's move lower. Um, August is expiration, uh, sorry, Wednesday, sorry, is August expiration. So uh, the VIX will roll to a September contract on Wednesday and you'll see VIX start to matriculate, I think a little bit higher into, into expiration. That's what we've seen that the last few months as well, like into VIX expiration, we've seen a little more volatility in the market. and so. All of these things were kind of pointing to the same kind of market reaction. You had vol at, alt at lows, no obvious catalyst, VIX near the lows, and VIX expiry coming up. You know, Friday was kind of telling you options are getting really cheap again. You should be buying something. And we had some clients who did. We had a lot who were like, I'm going on vacation. I don't want to do anything. And you can see it's like when people start stop paying attention and think, oh, this will just keep matriculating higher at a very slow, slow point like we did last week, up 20 bips a day, 10 bips a day. I don't need to do anything. And then you see you come in on a Monday and, you know, we're down 65 bips. It certainly feels like we're down a lot more. I know Russell's getting hit and Qs are down and it's just doesn't feel great out there. So, Danny, uh, how much then has this normalized and where is there potentially still, uh, you know, opportunity to be if the clear takeaway and it seemed to me the clear takeaway on Friday from your 
uh, chart your data was buy a little vol <laughs> for next week. At this point, what stands out to you as opportunity? Oh, absolutely. I mean, vol's still not high. Right, we're, we're, we're a little bit higher than we were on Friday, but we're still much lower than we were the past, you know, nine months. And options I don't think are particularly, you know, expensive, especially when you have real catalysts down the pipe. You've got NFP early September, you've got an OPEC meeting early September, you've got the FOMC end of, you know, September 22nd. So there's a lot of things coming up. And I think if anything, this just shows you, um, it doesn't take a lot to move the market, especially when there's a lot of people on vacation, volumes were particularly light, and even in a catalyst poor week, we can get some decent moves. So um, to me, you know, what we, we've been suggesting to clients is when things get this low, you know, you should consider instead of being long S&P futures, maybe consider S&P calls instead of, mm. you know, maybe not don't sell your Amazon stock, don't sell your Apple, but maybe think about buying some Q's puts. And I think the market is still cheap enough to to hedge, at least near term. And we know what we see is often when there's no obvious catalyst, that's when people sell. Danny, uh, what about uh, where all of the options market makers right now are uh, dealing in volatility and dealing in options? There's uh, something we always try and kind of figure out, which is where those pools of volatility are, that kind of uh, gravitational pull that it happens around certain levels. I know you look at different strikes to see where some of that uh, you know, uh, gamma force is. Where is that right now? And does it give us, uh, you know, does it, should it give bulls comfort that there will be you know, buyers at some uh, uh, price below kind of where we've been? In the, in the 4,400, 4,500 sort of range, that's kind of where we're seeing a lot of open interest on the call side. The issue is, is that as we get further from that, especially into expiry, that's when you have these air pockets. So you can see that well, I mean, this this chart kind of tells the story. This is open interest uh, by strike across a bunch of different maturities. Again, that 4,400 to 4,500 range is where all of the like a lot of there's a lot of calls that were you know we think generally sold as part of collars and people you know a lot of investors will sell calls to buy puts to hedge up their books. So you use the S and P market to do that because it's the most liquid. And what we're seeing though is that as we kind of perhaps drift a little bit lower and we're at an August expiry, and you can see those yellow parts of this chart our August expiry, all of this starts to come off. And as that kind of comes off, um, perhaps there's an air pocket lower. And so that's that's the part that we're mm. a little bit concerned about. If we stay in this range, we don't move. That was last week, right? We don't move. Mm. You kind of sit here, you see there's delta hedging amongst, amongst market makers, meaning they're uh, buying low and selling high and kind of keeping the market in a range. But as we sort of drift a little bit lower and break down through that range, that's when you have those air pockets. So. You know, as long as we're above 4,400, we're sort of, and we can kind of get through expiry, things are okay. But if not, um, you know, that that's where things can break down. You start to have those one, mm. perhaps 2% sell-offs. That's interesting, because uh, we're about 40 points away from that right now, uh, which uh, seems like a fairly good distance, a fairly safe distance based on sure. how this market has traded, uh, but uh, uh, still uh, a little wake up here that suggests uh, that vol can, uh, drive a little action still. So uh, there's a buffer zone between now and that uh, potential air pocket for more weakness. Another way to kind of phrase what we're looking at here uh, through options is looking at, you also look at the 95 to 105% put call ratio and the amount of calls you can buy for selling a put 5% uh, out of the money. And this one's kind of uh, looking at this from a different perspective. How does that hold up today? 
So basically what this chart is showing is like, let's say uh, instead of buying an S&P future, I was like, oh, I'll sell a 5% on the money put. So, you know, roughly, I think that's uh, around a few hundred points lower in the S&P to buy a one month 5% on the money call. You can sell one put to buy roughly 15 calls. So what that's telling you is that downside wow. protection relative to the upside is expensive. Puts are expensive relative to calls. Um, and that's because for perhaps there is still a little bit of hedging happening. There are people hedge and generally the market takes an uh, escalator up and elevator down. You're kind of seeing that today. Last week, I think we rallied 60, 70 basis points over five days. Today, we're down 60 bips in one day. Um, and so what the what the S&P market is telling you is that puts are bid and calls are relatively cheap. So again, this is like this is if hmm. You have a choice should i should i buy a future or should i sell put and buy calls we think you should be selling puts to buy calls hmm. you're getting paid a lot for that downside that being said again you know we just mentioned there is this sort of air pocket and that's kind of why these puts are so expensive relative to calls it's because they're you know perhaps there could be a uh, you know meaningful sort of washout although i mean generally speaking the market tends to go up and we've we've sort of looked at this over time sure we're not going to believe this market tends to rally Five percent, way more often than it tends to sell off five percent. So, to us, this is like when when these trades set up, when you can sell one put to buy ten times as many calls, equal distance out of the money, you should probably do it. And you know, you should definitely do that instead of thinking about owning futures, because the worst case scenario in this trade, you own the market down five percent in mm. a month, which, you know, over the last what ten years, it's probably been a good trade to buy the market down five percent. So you're saying that if you want to be long, this is the best way to do it. The previous charts we were looking at suggest that uh, volatility in the short term on a weekly basis might be lending itself to uh, potential gyrations, um, but those gyrations unlikely to turn into deep selling unless we cross through that 4,400-ish kind of uh, you know air pocket potential. So until that happens, if you want to be long, the options pricing still favors it to sell downside and use that to fund options on the upside. Absolutely, I'd, I'd much rather have that position on than just be long in S&P future. Because if we drop 3%, you lose 3% in the S&P future. If you drop 3% and hold this trade to maturity, now there will be some mark-to-market risk, you don't really lose anything. And then you kind of reset it up depending on how the skew market sets up. And as that chart showed, it's not always, you can't always do this trade. Oftentimes calls are more expensive relative to puts, where maybe you can sell one put to buy three times as many calls. Right now you can do this 12 to one. So, you know, there are a lot of risks out there. There's, I mean, there's no shortage of concern on the geopolitical side. Uh, but that being said is these risks sort of create this opportunity. Interesting, all right, Danny, thanks for walking us through it. Always helpful, appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Absolutely, sure thing. Danny Kirch is the head of options at Cornerstone Macro.